Lord, Lord, we thank you for this time. Mighty move in your spirit, Lord. Thank you so much for what you're doing, Lord. I pray that you would tune us in. You give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Good, fertile soil in hearts and minds. Watered by the Spirit right now just to saturate us. And Lord, I pray that, that this word you would speak through me to go out my mouth as a living seed to truth that are under an anointing, a mighty anointing that will go forth and be planted in a good, fertile soil and be watered by the Spirit of truth and take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. Lord, let the light of the truth of your word shine forth and dispel any type of darkness or lies or deception. Let your word be as a mighty hammer that tears down and destroys strongholds and a sword that cuts away what needs to go and pierces through. Sometimes there's got to be a cutting through. But Lord, we thank you for the mighty power of your word. It's not just the Logos, but it's the rhema word, the spoken word. And I thank you, Lord, that this is a rhema word for this season. And Lord, we bless you. And I thank you for letting everything be accomplished right now in this in this series that we're going to be doing. Lord, I pray that somehow you would um, cause there to be rhema faith and, and uh, a retention about this where people remember. It's not something that's just forgotten. It's not something that is missed. But somehow, Lord, this will hit the target in every heart. And, Lord, that people will not only remember, but really be locked in and captivated by it and will um, apply it to their lives and really transform their lives and ministry. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' my name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm talking about the altar ministry, how to flow in the power of God. Many, many years of praying with people. A lot of stories. But anyway, I'm just going to give you a couple things tonight. The main thing is, let me tell you about Catherine Coleman. Catherine Coleman is one of my favorite people in studying prayer and studying the anointing. She was totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is, is that in her meetings, she didn't have a safety net. She didn't have anything, you know, like plan B. Um, if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, you know, then we're going to do this. <laughs> It was like if God didn't show up, nothing happened. I mean, people just went home. Uh, there, she had 100% dependence on the Holy Spirit coming into that place and touching people. And she would come out and she, she would spend time in prayer. She spent a lot of time in soaking, soaking prayers. But she would spend a lot of time with the Holy Spirit. And she said before every, every crusade and big meeting she has, the Holy Spirit, she'd be baptized the Holy Spirit fresh for that meeting. Anyway, she'd come out there and she was totally dependent on the Holy Spirit coming. That was it. It, it. it was either that or nothing. And as she walked out there, she would t- she would say things, and she meant it. It sounds kind of radical, but she would say, right now the Holy Spirit is more real to me than you are. And she meant that. And she was, she was doing her best to be so in tune with Him and moving with Him that, that it seemed like everything else was... was was um, an alternate reality. That was her focus. That was her reality. It was her, her fellowship and her focus on the Holy Spirit. And what are you doing tonight, Holy Spirit? And in that, in that focus and with Him, you know, she would hear words of knowledge. God is, is healing somebody out there that you're hearing. And, and she would give these words of knowledge. All these people be healed. And, and she would give altar calls. And she really wasn't a great um, dynamic preacher, to be honest. I've listened to her sermon. She's, 
I mean, I love the woman, but it wasn't it wasn't that. It wasn't a charismatic personality. It was it wasn't uh, great looks. It wasn't um, a lot of money. It wasn't a big production with smoke and lights. That none of that is what she had. She didn't have any of that. What she had was the Holy Ghost. What she had was such an anointing that people were drawn to that. And she would be the first one to say those things. I say those things with great love and admiration. I'm not in any way mean that disrespectfully. But she used to say out of her own mouth, I don't have anything. She said this. She said, God didn't give me talents. She would say that. She said, God gave some people some talents, but he said he forgot to give me. I didn't have I don't have any talents. She said, I can't sing, I can't play instruments, I don't play sports, I don't, you know. She said, All I have is him. I really believe that her life and ministry is very uh, a, a real strong message for what we need to hear in these last days because it, it's not going to be that these other things aren't going to get the job done. And there's a lot of ministries out there that put a lot of emphasis and focus on the smoke and the lights and the program and we got to have it exciting. We've got to have this 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 rapper here. Then we've got to have this song and we've got to have this this. This energized game, get everybody excited. We got to do this. We got to have a charismatic personality to preach, and, and they've got all this stuff programmed out. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, when people leave, they're leaving the same as they came. So what's the point? They just were entertained. That is not going to get the job done. That's not going to really bring in the harvest. Um, it'll produce a lot of false converts. It'll produce people that get caught up in the moment. Down because other people came down and they were just kind of caught up in the frenzy of the moment. It was so, and, and the atmosphere was electrified, and they came down and would give their life to Jesus. But it's not a true born again experience. It's not a true conversion. And so, whenever times get tough in life, they throw off this Jesus thing. Whatever. It's got to be that you are totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. I can't emphasize that enough. Jesus' ministry, being that he was the Son of God, I would assume that since he was the Son of God, that he pretty much could have done anything, played any instrument. Just, I'm sure he, if he wanted to, he could have been the greatest athlete or whatever. You know, There could have been a lot of things about him as a person that would have drawn. But Jesus' ministry, and this is a fact, he did not do anything like that. He 100% depended on the anointing to get the job done. And if Jesus, being the Son of God, depended on the anointing, how much more so do we need to depend on? Are you really hearing what I'm saying? Because Jesus did not do this. He did not drive out demons um, out of a charismatic personality. You know? I mean, he, he drove them out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible over and over says things like that. You know, how do you think that Jesus saw what the Father was doing and heard what he was speaking? By the Spirit. And not only that, but it says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good healing all the oppressed of the devil. But it was the anointing that did it. So, whatever we're going to talk about this altar ministry, if you think that you're going to learn a technique, like a ABC, one, two, three, now you're delivered thing, it's not going to work because what works on one person won't work the next time. You, you have to be spirit-led. You've got to be totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. You've got to hear from God. Bottom line, you've got to hear from God. What is He doing? 
And in that, you come into a cooperation with the Holy Spirit, and He speaks to you, and then the things are happening that need to happen. So, let me give you a few things about Moses. I love Moses. I think he was one of the greatest men of God that's ever lived, in my opinion. Uh, But there was a couple times that he missed God. And it almost cost him. And at one time it did when he struck the rock, but I'll get to that. Listen to this. Moses... Whenever God called him, you remember the burning bush and all that, but God was speaking to Moses, told him to go to Pharaoh. Now, I want you to get this. Moses said, Lord, I can't do it because I stutter. Now, I want you to go home and read that scripture. It's it's Exodus 4.14. I want you to listen to this. God burned with anger at Moses. You ever had God burn with anger at you? Some of you say, I don't know. I hope not. (laughs) God burned with anger. That's what it said. Now, why you read that, you think, why in the world was God that angry at Moses just because he said, Lord, I can't do it. I have a stuttering issue. When you you and I probably would have said the same thing. Why Why did that make God that angry, really? And I'll tell you why. Because Moses was depending on his flesh. And God was was probably thinking to himself, Moses, don't you think that I know you have a stuttering problem before I told you to go do this? It's not you and your great oratory ability that's going to get this job done. It's you just doing what I tell you to do. We've got to understand that God doesn't need your little charismatic personality or mine. Not that I have one. God doesn't need your good looks. He doesn't. If you think you're smart enough to figure it out, you're not. Because it's not your intelligence that's going to get the job. Jesus actually rejoiced in his ministry. He was really, truly rejoicing in praise, excited, rejoicing, praising the Father, that he hid these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the babes. So your IQ level is not going to get the job done. And Paul said that that knowledge puffs up with pride anyway. So I hope that I'm I'm beating everybody down pretty good right now, including myself. We cannot do this without him. Are you getting this? We're not smart enough. We're not good enough looking. We don't have enough talents. We haven't... Now we've read another book, so we're just got so we're just so learned now. It's it's not like that. None of that is going to get the job done. It's going to have to be a complete dependence on the Holy Spirit. So for you to be successful in the altar ministry, you're going to have to learn that that I can't do that. I cannot offer people whatever I have to offer is not going to get the job done. It's got to be the Holy Spirit doing it. That's it. There's no other option. Uh, you know, and so you've got to die to yourself and realize, and don't get all down on yourself. Because some of the people that God's used the greatest have been those that have been the least. You know, there was a time when Benny Hinn, and the truth is, he's very shy, and he had a stuttering problem, and he would hide under, he was so shy, he would hide under his bed whenever people came over to his house to visit his family and stuff. He was just really shy and introverted. The last person that anybody would have thought in the natural, but God picked and put an anointing on it. And so it's it's usually those that, that seem the least qualified. They seem like the ones nobody else would have picked. 
that God will pick them and use them the greatest. So the point is, we must understand we have nothing to really offer people in ourselves. Therefore, we must pray and seek God and get saturated in His presence. And don't give in to this false humility garbage where you sit around and, you know, hate yourself and that's a bunch of garbage too. Don't do that. That's not going to help anybody. Okay? We all know that we don't have it together. We need Him. So let's just, just, just accept that and just go with God. Amen? All right, the second thing is, the other mistake that Moses made was that Moses did not circumcise his son. And God burned with anger at Moses. It says that in the Bible. God was angry, burned with anger at Moses enough to kill him and use someone else. And Moses' wife, Zipporah, was smart enough to quickly run over there, get the son circumcise him she took the foreskin and ran to Moses' feet and she put that on his feet applying the blood of that to his feet and God's anger relented when she did that that's Exodus 4.25 these are two times early on that God was angry with Moses burned with anger Okay, and so the message in that is you better deal with the little things. Moses probably thought circumcising the child, he's all busy with all the things going on, and he probably just considered it a trivial matter at this moment in time and just overlooked it, but it was something that's very serious with God. I mean, the whole thing about circumcision had to do with covenant with Abraham, and it was a very serious issue with God. And Moses didn't mean to, but he allowed himself to to overlook that. So my point in that is, number two, we need to make sure that we're dealing with the little things in our lives. I've been shocked at some people that I've known in times past that have been in revival with me. I I knew them. They, They were mightily touched in revival. But over time, I look at them now, and I'm surprised because I've seen... I'm sure that it was a gradual process in their life, but I've seen, you know, whenever you leave and you come back, you know, you can kind of see the, the time frame. I've seen how, how on fire they were at one time, and now they're not. And I've also seen their convictions and how, how righteous they were living for God, and now it seems like there's all this compromise. See, it comes in subtle. Satan knows that, you know, if you're in the fires of revival and you're, you're living holy and all that, he knows he can't bring some great, horrible sin in your life right then and there. So what he tries to do is he tries to bring what the Bible calls the little foxes, the little things in your life that you'll accept, and then it, it keeps going down from there. Then it's an acceptance of the next thing and the next thing. And pretty soon you look back and your life is a lot different than it used to be. Where did the fire go? Where did the passion go? Where did the intimacy with God go? Where was all of a sudden now there's things that, you know, years ago you would have never allowed in your life that now you're watching, listening to, participating in, whatever. It's the little foxes. And the in the scripture in Song of Solomon talks about the little foxes is because whenever they had those vineyards and those grape those 
uh, vines would hang over like that. The, the larger foxes could just walk up there and just eat off of it. But the little ones would run up there, and they would, it was real tall for them, so they would jump up and grab it, and they would shred the whole vine just to get a grape. And so the point was that the little foxes were the most dangerous ones to the vineyard. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? It's the little things that God's convicting you about that if you're not careful and you, and you don't listen to the Holy Spirit and you don't um, surrender to those little things, then it begins gradually to lead to the next thing. Pretty soon the fire's dying down. The intimacy with God is not what it used to be. So with Moses, you know, he, he let this thing go with his son being circumcised, and I'm sure it seemed like a little thing at the moment. Just saw God in a burning bush. He told me to go speak to Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler on planet Earth at this time. I'm supposed to take a million people out of there. i got a lot of things on my mind right now. You see what I'm saying? And he just kind of put something off. And it almost cost him his destiny. God, read it. God was about to get him and raise up somebody else. It's the little things we've got to guard ourselves. Keep yourself a pure, holy vessel of honor that God can use. This can be whether it's entertainment, whether it's friendships that the Holy Spirit has already told you to quit hanging out with them and you keep doing it. Don't be surprised whenever you're not doing good one day. It may be bad habits that God's told you to quit doing. It may be prayerlessness. God's convicting you. And, and he's saying, you need to spend more time in prayer. And he said, I'll get around to it. These things can be the little foxes that over time can really hinder. And it comes in subtle, and so you don't pick up on it. Does this help anybody? And I'm going to tell you, I've had to guard that just like everybody else. And, that, and all of a sudden, I'll notice maybe something that's slacked a little and God will deal with me. And I'll repent about it. Lord, I'm sorry, and I'll get back on track. But you've got to guard those little foxes. I'm telling you, they try to come in, and it's subtle. All right, the last thing is when Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to it. After all Moses had put up with, pastoring a million people that were a bunch of whiners and complainers. You know that man had been through it, man. And um, I can't even imagine being on that level of dealing with that many people with that much of a problem, you know. But he, he just he went through it all those years, and after all that he put up with, he struck the rock. And God told him, you can't go into the promised land. My goodness, you, I imagine he really wept over that. It was really broken. But in all of it, God was in charge because it represented the law, not entering the promised land, but it was Joshua which represents picture and type of Jesus. Anyway, God spoke to Moses to speak to the rock. Moses lost his temper, probably went on a little rant, and was, you know, you people wanted to get, you know, just yelling at him and everything, got his, his stick out, hit that rock twice, the water came out. We're not talking about like a drip. Okay, We're talking about rivers, so uh, they can water everybody. Anyway, the rivers come flowing out. And uh, you got to watch out for this stuff because obedience is the key. So we've got to learn to really be obedient. And what I mean by that is this. If you, if you come into a service and God starts moving a certain direction, and then you don't obey and flow with that, 
it'll die right there. You've got to catch the move of the Spirit. So in a service, many times, the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. But many times in a church service, you'll find, and those of you that are calling to the ministry, you better remember this, especially if you're a pastor. Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. The problem isn't Jesus, and the problem isn't him knocking. The problem is, is you hearing the knock and opening the door. That's where the problem lies with a lot of people out there. You've got to hear the knock. So you could be singing worship songs that you feel led to do, and all of a sudden there's this one song that you feel the Holy Spirit really start coming in on. You need to go with that. Because if you if you just go, that starts happening, and then you just cut it off and go to the next thing, I'm telling you, it's like striking the rock. I mean, it, you're missing God. You're not obeying. There may be times where God says, you know, I'm going to come in just deliberately to mess up your little agenda today. You, you want to preach your sermon, you want to do this, that, and the other, and he'll come in and just throw all that out the window to see, are you going to go with me, or are you going to go with your agenda? What's more important? And so there's got to be an obedience factor in this, that you, you're flowing with the Holy Spirit. And I want to close with this, and us pray together about this. You know, I was talking to my family about the incredible importance of being uh, in agreement and I shared this before, but I want to share this. I want to get this in this sermon, just this little nugget. We're going to pray together. But I feel the Lord in this. All service, I mean, I felt the Lord's presence, but I've been feeling that there's something that He's wanting to do, and I, He's about to do it. I, now I finally he told me. But here's the thing. You've got to come into agreement about things. And, it, it, for example, me and my wife, Brianna, were praying about something. We weren't really getting anywhere. And I was asking the Lord about it, so, What's the deal? You, you learn that God's not the problem. Okay, so that means it's it's me or whatever. <laughs> so it's one of us or all three of us. So I said, Lord, what is the deal? And the Lord told me, he said, you're all praying in different directions. So you need to come together in unity. So I know enough about the Lord's word and everything that you need to have a scripture. So I got a scripture from the Lord. And I said, we came together. And I said, I told my wife and daughter, I said, after we pray this, don't keep begging God. It's already done. I want you just to praise Him and thank Him. So anyway, we came together. I took the scripture to the Lord. said, Lord, your word said this. And we come in total agreement. We're believing for this specific thing. And ever since then, it's just been hard to keep up with it. I mean, it's just been going like crazy. So the point is that there's going to be an agreement. And um, I feel the Holy Spirit just telling me, that even as we were praying earlier, it was good and all that, but hes I guess he's wanting us to pray in agreement about a couple of things. Okay? And one about the move of God, the move of the Holy Spirit. There's got to be a coming together about certain things.